Do this Last Supper style. Austin. Yes. I had a thought about this movie. We watched V for Vendetta. And since this primarily takes place in the UK, even though it's future UK, I think we should use the proper UK pronunciation and call it VED for Vendetta. Is it VED? I didn't know that. It's not. but It's ZED for Z. I understand what the joke is, but if you're going to explain it, you're going to suck all the air out of it. We'll talk about more (laughs) jokes like this because we watched this movie on telly. Huh? Huh? All right. I'm Phil. And I'm Austin. Hi, everybody. This is Picture Show. Uh, In case you weren't aware which button you hit play on on your podcatcher. That's right. We now have a name. We have a name. Uh, uh, Just uh, behind the scenes a little bit. We (laughs) jumped in last week because we just wanted to get going. We did not even have a name at the time that we recorded our Fight Club episode. Um, We were just so excited to talk about it that we wanted to get the we wanted to get the conversation uh, recorded. Uh, but in the meantime, we did come up with a name. This is Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude. It's a very original name. Uh, yeah. As original as podcast names get. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, so hard to think of a name. Oh, it took like five days. It took far too long. It took way longer than actually putting the show together. But we are uh, we are here. We are whole. Yeah, we, we could probably fit like an entire episode of us just listing the names that we vetoed. We have more of a name than uh, the main character of this movie. That is true. Uh, who just goes by an initial. It's sort of like uh, he he thought of the one-name celebrities, like Cher. Yeah, Beyonce. Beyonce, and he was like, I'm going to one-up that one initial. <laughs> but I mean, isn't that all the name really is? A signifier? It is. It's a symbol. And he took this to the extreme. It's all about yeah. symbolism. Uh, again, V for Vendetta, the 2005 movie based on the graphic novel by Alan, Alan Moore and David Lloyd, though Alan Moore is not credited on this movie. This might have been... I can't remember if this is the first... This is... Uh, very famously, he asked to have his name taken off of movie adaptations of of his work. He is not happy with them. I don't know if he gets a check or not. Is is he the comic book artist? He is the writer. David Lloyd was the artist of, of okay. this book. Uh, Watchmen came out a couple years after this. Uh, his name is not on that. Um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I believe, was before this. And I think either, don't quote me on this, either that was the first one he asked to not be credited on, or that is the reason he asked to not be credited (laughs) anymore. I Um, I think that's interesting, because I I haven't read the graphic novel, so I don't know how this works as an adaption, but I thought this movie was really good, and it sort of upheld, like, the themes that I feel like would be in the graphic novel as well. This graphic novel has been on my to-read list since I saw this movie. I have flipped through it. It is a beautiful-looking comic book. David Lloyd's art is great. Alan Moore is uh, widely regarded as you know the greatest writer in comics history. I did not know that. Uh, he's very profound. He's very literary. Um, he's a very good writer. Everything he does isn't necessarily to my taste, but... Uh, it's always interesting and he's a very interesting guy. Again, I don't know if he gets money for these adaptations or not. (laughs) Either way, uh, I'm pretty sure that he, his book sales take a boost just from get, you know, so I imagine, um, I'm I'm sure he has a, a, a decent royalty deal. Uh, he's, he, he famously, I think fights with DC, yeah, um, but but he's still letting them adapt it. He's still well, making money off it, that Watchmen. It's DC's call to make the adaptation, uh-huh. not his. And I think that's part of his problem. I think he he wants control. Elamore, great writer. Um, I think I might order this book today. I think I might finally. Uh, this could be the catalyst for reading it. I've seen this movie several times. 
Um, you brought this movie to the table. Yeah, I, I picked it when we were scrolling uh, through. Talk about, um, talk about why you picked it, and uh, why don't you lead us off with what you thought about it? Uh, well, honestly, I didn't know much to expect about this movie. I knew it was about a revolution, and that seemed topical, and uh, it just kind of popped out at me as one of like the great movies. I always hear people talking about how good this movie is. And so when I saw it, it was like like a great movie among not a really great selection because we were just like kind of going through Netflix. We were kind of scrolling through, sure. There's a bunch of random movies, and then I saw V for Vendetta, and that seemed like a good place to start. Yeah, I didn't know it was back on streaming. Um, mm-hmm. It, I think it kind of, it's one of those that kind of comes and goes. Yeah. You know, you you just kind of stumble on and go, oh, it's back, you know, <laughs> and then you're like, I'll watch it next week and then it's gone before you can get to it again. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad you picked it out. I've seen this before. I saw it probably, you were commenting on the rating I had given it. Given yeah. it. Um, uh, I think it was, was it a three star or four star rating? Yeah, it was three stars. It was th- and three I was star like, rating. Oh, so you didn't like it. I count three stars as a good rating. I say that is a good movie. Um, and I also made the argument that I... This movie is from 2005, so it was right around that time that I probably gave it that rating. I'm pretty sure I first saw this movie when Netflix was doing DVDs through the mail. And so oh, wow. I, I I mean, we, that, we, that was the service for a long time before streaming was a thing. It's so ancient. I, yes, it's so ancient. It was 50, This movie <laughs> is 15 years old. Uh, this movie is 15 years old. Jeez. Um... But the story is timeless. The story is timeless. We're going to talk about that in a little bit because it was very relevant at its own time, too. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think this movie did not blow me away when I first saw it. I thought it was very relevant then. I thought it really had something to say. Okay. And I thought it told it in a good way. There are some drawbacks that I think still sort of stick with me in this movie. There are things that I don't necessarily care for. Um, There are some things that I don't... Um, think have aged necessarily well. All right, is that like style story? style wise? Not okay. not um, not in terms of the message. But I do think what does hold up for me is characters, uh, the themes of this movie, and I think it is told as a whole pretty well. Uh, also, I love Natalie Portman. Yes. I don't like people who are annoyed by Natalie Portman who say they don't like her in X Y Z. X, Y, Z, maybe. Uh, She's one of those actresses like Anne Hathaway where people are like, oh, I don't like her. And I'm like, why don't you like her? I think she does great work. I Uh, feel like people think pretty women are only actors because they're pretty women. I think maybe that's part of it. Or they sometimes will play a character that annoys somebody and they sort of project that onto the actress. Yeah, like uh, who's the Twilight actress? Um, Kristen Stewart? Kristen Stewart, yes. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, she's such a bitch. We, ta- like... we talked about this. I did uh, David Luzader's podcast, Hit Me One More Time, and we talked about uh, 1989's Batman a few weeks ago. Okay. Um, and we talked about like Batman actors as a whole and Robert Pattinson, how people hate him because they're still carrying this baggage of these Twilight movies that he did 10 and 15 years ago. If you look at independent movies, this kid is like a good actor, but Mm -hmm. he's so saddled with this baggage that people cannot get over these sparkly vampire movies that are probably as old as this. They're probably like 15 years old. It's weird. They act like he wrote the movie. He's to blame for why it's terrible. Uh, It's, um, (laughs) it's sort of, I haven't seen any of those movies. Um, it is, yes, we associate people. I mean, I see Natalie Portman. I still think of her first movie, uh, The Professional, or Leon The Professional, depending on when and where you saw it. Uh, great movie. She was a child actor at the time, and she's incredible in that. Yeah, I, I see her as from Thor. That's always where I first saw her. Thor, I think a lot of people put her in the prequels, too, which might be another reason that people oh, that's true. are annoyed by her. I just... The, I mean, uh, Annihilation from a couple years ago. Uh, I, I think she's great. Uh, Black Swan. Yeah. And I think she's great in this movie. Like, the middle part of this movie, where she's taken prisoner, 
Yeah. Is so she is so you see this whole transformation of this character. Her character goes through a lot. And you see it in a montage and she sells it. It it doesn't feel like it's rushed over. Yes. Um I and I think a lot of that is is Natalie Portman a she has a perfectly shaped badass head for for shaven. You know, like yes. you ever see somebody who shaves their head and they have like this misshapen alien dome? That's me. Right. I you're talking about me. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to throw shade on you. But <laughs> there are some people you, that can't shave their heads and and look badass. I I'm I'm borderline that. I've shaved my head for 15 years and um and I, I just have a weird giant dome. She looks like an A1 badass when she does that. And I, then by the end of it in her her she has circles around her eyes and she's all sunken in yeah. and just angry looking. Uh she really sells it. I I I give Natalie Portman all the credit in the world for this movie. I I don't know if this is cuz I'm gay, but she looks hotter when she's bald. <laughs> Something about it, I don't know. I don't know if it's because I'm gay, but when she looks like a a little more male, I think she's more attractive. Yeah, that might have a little something to do with There's it. There's a little logic there. There is logic to it. I don't know. I think I think I think everybody has kind of a crush on Natalie Portman because uh, it breaks barriers. She she's just I think so solid in whatever she does. Uh, I'm a big fan, and I'm a big fan of Hugo Weaving, who plays V in this movie. Uh, you'll know him as the King of the Elves in Lord of the Rings. Okay. Uh, he also plays the lead agent in um, The Matrix, which we are also going to talk about. Uh, leading, we could use this as a, a transition. Um, All right. I, but, uh, uh, I do uh, want to say... On. I, I want to okay. run down just uh, real quick what what he does Hugo Weaving wears a mask for the entirety of this movie and still has a great performance with a static face yes this has been talked about I don't want to reiterate what other podcasts have already said um in reviewing this movie it's you know in 15 years this has been beaten to death but the way they light that mask and his body language is incredible what he's able to do with it and yes. Hugo Weaving deserves so much credit for I, what he does in this. I think it's really voice acting when it that comes too. down to yeah. it. Like the first scene, I'm sure I'm way late to the punch here, but his first scene, he instantly captivated me when he was talking in all V words. And yeah. I just thought it was so cool. It's it's um it's one of those, it's like it's cleverly written, but really his his delivery of it is what sells it. That's a that's a yeah. difficult thing to to read and sell and to do it in this um he's so theatrical his character thinks he's a shakespearean character he quotes shakespeare a lot yeah uh he loves old movies he's flipping his cape around constantly and just like quipping you know yeah. like he's he's great he is i have in my notes v is a crazy person like he is, he is legitimately off his rocker he's sub and and they do get into like this character has suffered like great trauma, yes. you know, um, but to see him sort of come through it and be the grinning crazy person uh, and still have a sense of justice, not be off his rocker of like, I just want to, it's easy to turn that into a Batman villain. He's not the Joker. Exactly. Um, and, and that's sort of the other direction you can take that, that storyline. But uh, Hugo Weaving's great. And one more, how great is it to see John Hurt show up in... In something, I he was in this. He's the chancellor. Oh my god! He's the big. Uh, uh, I did I'm you sorry. not recognize him? I I just don't recognize him. Like with with black hair, with yeah. obviously fake black hair. Yes, he didn't have. I recognized him. I didn't recognize him as John Hurt though. Yeah, that's John Hurt. That's um, crazy. Uh, John Hurt played the main character in 1984, and now he that's. What's so? I've never seen 1984, but I've read the book. He's the okay. He's the everyman who is oppressed by the government, uh, by the big screen, big brother who comes on the screen and screams at you or over the intercom. Now he is big brother. He's the chancellor. Uh, they, they sort of. I I don't know if that. I'm sure that played into casting, in some way. But it's not like, ooh, stunt casting. We'll do it because he's in this movie. Yeah. He is awesome in this movie. <laughs> he was very threatening. He's very threatening. He's very over the top. 
Um, and he even like plays the comedic part where there's like a chancellor interpreter or impersonator. Yeah. And on the TV show and he's playing like two chancellors. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. It was funny. <laughs> it was funny in this weird Benny Hill kind of way. Um but uh uh yeah, I I really liked that John Hurt was in this movie. I just he's one of those uh guys that was always great to see show up in things. I remember when you took me to the Doctor Who movie. Yeah, he's in that. He's in Merlin. That's kind of where oh, I really? know him from. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Alien. We watched Alien yep. just at home a couple weeks ago. Um, but, I, yeah, when you took me to the, the Doctor Who 50th anniversary movie, and I didn't really know a ton about Doctor Who. Yeah. When John Hurt shows up, it's like, oh, my God, I know that guy. You know, like, it's just like, um, it was. I mean, he's just great to see show up at stuff. He's like this classy, old school British actor who goes through all the sci-fi. He's, he's always good at what grades. he does. Absolutely. But let's bring it into the Matrix, because this was one of the first comments you made when we were done watching this last night. Yeah. You said, better than the Matrix. And I want to know what drew your comparison to the Matrix right away. Uh, because I hadn't realized until the credits started rolling that the Wachowski brothers, they directed it. Uh, they did not direct it. They, they wrote, wrote it. it. They wrote it. Okay. They were the Wachowski brothers at the time. Uh, yes. Now I believe they are credited as Lily and Lana Wachowski on IMDb. But they are credited in this movie as the Wachowski brothers. So now they're or the, the Wachowskis. The Wachowski si- sisters? Siblings? I, uh, uh, I believe they're either the Wachowskis or I've seen them credited individually or the Wachowski sisters siblings i'm not sure i'm not sure it matters you say wachowskis everybody knows who we're talking about yes uh but i know in in terms of trying to be respectful of how they want to be addressed i I, i've heard sisters i've heard siblings and of course it's always the wachowskis has always been like that yes i think uh maybe not it's one of those words like irregardless like not proper, but accepted. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, but no, uh, that's really interesting that you picked that up. This was, I think they, I don't know if they had finished the Matrix series, but this okay. would have been either in the middle of that they wrote this, or right after, immediately after. That's interesting because I think the reason I said this is better than the Matrix is because this is a story about revolution, but it's not pertaining like they didn't add sci-fi details it's just boiling down the basics of this is how a revolution happens this is what an oppressive government is whereas the matrix is a metaphor for a revolution and i think they did it better here than they did the metaphor um that's interesting because this is more about symbolism than the actual revolution taking place. V is a revolutionary, for sure. Yes. But the full-on revolution doesn't really come about until the end. And we see we see the, the citizens well, marching. It's, like, it's the birth of a revolution. It is the birth of a revolution, but it's not necessarily about the revolution. They say over and over, this is about symbolism. This is about blowing up parliament is about what parliament represents. Yeah. V is about not the man... But what he represents. Not even about Guy Fawkes. Guy Fawkes, they even say, is like, it's not about him. He becomes the symbol for something bigger than whatever the politics of the day that he was bucking against. Okay. So, yeah, I think regardless of whether or not you think this was done better or worse than The Matrix, it was the theme of the Wachowskis' writing, especially at the time. Yeah, I, I think they heavily focused on that. Sure. Um, what is there, is there something about the script that you, that you appreciated besides just like the themes of, of revolution? Uh, well, Uh, there was a lot of cool things that I noticed. Like one of the things that really popped out at me at the end was how they had shown the audience, the common goers in home watching the TV mm -hmm. as this revolution is sort of being born. And then the last time they show everyone's houses, it's all empty. 
because everyone's out in the streets. Everybody's out, right. Like, that was just such a good reveal. And, and it's about who's on the TV at the same time. The yeah. chan- That's during the Chancellor's Address. They're, they're not home watching the news. They're not home watching that religious fanatic... Uh, Glenn Beck esque kind the, of the Fox News guy, r- right? Or or watching uh, Gordon, what's his name's Gordon Ramsay? Not Gordon Ramsay, the guy that uh, Evie worked for. Oh yeah, uh, that you know his comedy show, his sort of like late night talk show kind yeah. of thing. Nobody's watching that. This man, who is the head of the whole country. Only has power when he's paid attention to, and they're making sort of this statement about that. Oh, let's jump. Let's jump straight to the end, okay? And and talk about, um, not just like the explosion of Parliament. I really appreciate that when they're all out marching and they're dressed as Guy Fox. They're all dressed as V. Yeah. And the army standing there. It didn't turn into a giant epic battle in the streets. Yeah, that's kind of where I thought that it, it was going. It, it came to the army saying, let's stand down and and secede power to to the people. And I think if this movie, let's, let's, let's point out, this is a Warner Brothers DC movie. Yes. In, and this was made in a time before the modern, like, superhero uh, renaissance. You know, this was before Iron this, Man. This is before, this is the, before the MCU. This is before. This is kind of at the start of the Nolan Batman trilogy. Okay. It started around this time. Uh, but it wasn't like shared universe stuff. If they make this movie today, there's a giant brawl in the street. There's a oh there's a full on like Game of Thrones scale. Uh, Superman would be epic. B. <laughs> it would be tied into Wonder Woman would show up. This would be a full on like DCU. Um, but this doesn't. This doesn't do that. It doesn't go into this glorified violent street battle. Yeah, it it does glorify violence a little bit in the sewer. Uh, fight, but I feel like that's sort of V's style, so it's justified. That is V's style, and that's a bit of the Wachowski style, you know, the slow yeah. motion fights. Plus, um, the knife throwing was cool. I, I, no, the the knife throwing itself was a cool skill. I hate the tracer lines. No, I love that. I hate it. I Stop. hate it. I hate this era of all right. Um, <laughs> it's very comic book style. It though. is comic book style. This is not a comic book. This is a movie. This is where this era of I want to talk about this. <laughs> this era they were adapting um, Sin City around this time. Watchmen is a couple years later. Um, I'm sure there's a couple others. I'm forgetting. This was the time when direct, uh, even the Ang Lee Hulk movie, the first Hulk movie that Ang Lee directed. Yeah, he would break the he would break the screen into different sections so it looked like panels where all these things were going on. This was the era when people were taking comic books and figuring out how to adapt them into movies, and they kept trying to make things look like a comic book. If you take a, a knife and you slash at somebody in a comic book, it's going to have that weird line coming off of it to show the path of the knife. Yeah. You don't need that in a movie because we can see the knife moving. Uh, Sin City, I, if you watch Sin City, it's black and white. It's high contrast. They black stuff out. It looks it looks cool. It doesn't play as a movie as well. They're just trying so hard to make it look like a you, comic book. You don't need it, but I feel like it does look cool. You can overdo it easily. I feel like in this one instance, though, in this movie, they didn't overdo I'm cutting it. your mic off. Oh, that's my mic too. It's a shared mic. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no, I, I get it. It's a stylistic choice, and whether or not you like it or not is a stylistic choice as well. Uh, or I guess it's not a stylistic choice. It's a taste. You have a taste for it or not. Either way, it's a small part. It doesn't ruin the movie. It doesn't ruin the movie, but it does ruin what I think of you. And uh, okay. I, I really I want you out of the house. I'm going to have to basically, pack Basically, well, you are going to have to go live in the subway tunnel. Here's a good time to pitch my GoFundMe page. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see you just dragging a garbage bag full of your shit down the street. And you're wearing a Guy Fox mask. And just, <laughs> like... 
you have a butter knife and you're just kind of just throwing it around trying to make it like do that I'm, weird uh, trace thing. I'm going to join Anonymous. I'll get one of their masks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anonymous has taken up the use of this Guy Fox mask. Yeah, I think it's kind of similar. It is similar, but it's funny because they're like bucking against the corporate the corporate powers that be, right? Yeah. That image of Guy Fox is owned by Warner Brothers, one of the biggest oh corporations God. in the entire world. <laughs> that is so, kind of funny. It is, um, it is kind of funny. Uh, I, I talked a bit about Gordon. I, I forget his last name. Um, he's the guy. Evie goes and stays with him. The, She's the gay his guy. He, he's gay. He's a talk show host. He has all that propaganda, uh, all that, the censored items in I, his I know who he's played by but I forget what his name is. Um uh Stephen Fry, right? Is Stephen Fry? It is Stephen Fry. Yes. Yeah. Um um Stephen Fry uh is great in this role. He's super likable. And at the beginning you think Evie is being sexually harassed by Yeah, her that's boss. what I thought. I was like, "Oh no, please don't go that route." It is an incredible reveal, not just that the reveal that he's gay comes a little further into it. But when she goes to his house and he's just nice to her. Yeah. He doesn't force himself on her. He's just nice and he hides her and he shows her all his contraband and that he really isn't like a government guy. And, you know, the the thing that where he's gay comes later and you figure out like, oh, he's a victim. You think he's, he's pro-government because he benefits. Yes. But he's really been forced to pretend to be somebody else. And that he's as much a victim of the government as anybody else. And he actually uses his power to sort of undermine the government. Right. With his satire. A very bold move, you know. Yeah. Where, um, but I, um, what hit me the most about his character is when they put the bag on his head. When it's a, it's a, a replay of... How Evie's parents were taken. Yeah. Um, which is sort of... I don't want to say it's glossed over. But when it happens in that flashback... And a lot of this movie is flashback. So much of it, yeah. Uh, a lot of it is. And I think that's a that's a hang-up I have with the movie. Where it probably works better in the, in the comic than it does here. But either way, her flashback to her parents is a little bit abbreviated... And I feel like it's there to sort of plant the seed of this is how her mom was taken. Okay. And I, you feel it. It's like, oh, that's that's really sad. And then when it replays and he gets taken, that's when I really felt like the gut punch of it. When she's watching it happen all over again. Yeah. And and this is somebody we've spent time with. We don't spend time with her parents. Except I, for who she explains them to be. We spend a little bit of time with him and we go, this this is one of the good guys. Right I, I think that's kind of why her mom flashback was abbreviated. Because it was like, if we just watch the same scene the same way, right, it wouldn't feel the same. And I think it was kind of there to plant the seed of, of Gordon being taken. Yeah, and to call back to that. Right. You kind of have to know how that's affecting Evie. In, in those different ways. Yeah, that's about the extent of my notes on on those topics. I have V is a crazy person, uh, <laughs> which I, I wrote went wrong when he was sword fighting the the suit of armor while he's watching uh, Count of Monte Cristo. He he reminds me of like he's like a an little autistic kid. kid. Like <laughs> he doesn't totally. He's like just so absorbed in it. Uh, he's he's really into it. Yeah, he's not. Um, not quite in contact with the outside world as much as he needs to be. And you know, it makes sense with all of his trauma and abuse he's in a, his past. He's a damaged person, for yeah. sure. Um, do you have any any talking points you wanted to bring up? Uh, I did want to mention, because like this scene hit me really hard, was when V was dressed up as that old revolutionary guy. Is the old blind guy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's talking, he's telling this story of how an oppressive government starts. And, like, that just really hit home with what's happening in America right now. It wasn't the exact same, of course, but... Uh, the fact that we're watching uh, um, a movie about a 
a government which has proven to have given a virus to its citizens in the middle of a terrible virus pandemic and all the conspiracy theories that go with that. Yes. I'm not putting the tinfoil hat on. I do not believe our government started the coronavirus. That's ridiculous. But um, there's a lot of parallels. Uh, They talk about America being in the middle of its own civil war in this movie. Yes. Because this movie, like we said, takes place in the UK. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of um, talk about America from the extremists. You know, talking about how, oh, they were, they had everything. They were the the mighty they were the and great nation they've fallen back into civil war they don't have enough resources and we you know we see uh some of us see that we could easily end up there it's getting close um <laughs> i hope it's not as close as all that but um yeah no this definitely is a very relevant movie this movie was very relevant when it came out as well this came out in the bush years with Iraq going on? Uh, with Iraq. This was... 05 would have been right after he was elected to his second term. Was that before or after the recession? Uh, that was right... Uh, 08 was when oh. the bottom fell out. Gotcha. Um, but we were fully entrenched in the Middle East with no exit plan. And people were starting to realize, like, this is going to drag on for a long time. We were post 9-11... Uh, there was a lot of hysteria about Muslims and the other. Yeah, you know, we see we see in this movie the Quran is illegal in the UK. So much to the point where he gets killed for there, having it. Right, there is um, a lot of anti-Muslim sentiment from the the media extremists. The the guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, a lot of talk about immigrants. A lot of talk about uh, anti-Muslim stuff. This was very much going on. In America at at that time, yeah, and uh, I think it's still going on. Yeah, but it, it, it's, it's definitely still going on. It's I don't more mean... so uh, transitioned uh, hate towards Hispanics. And... Uh, yes, uh, it's it's just the I think now is sort of a blanket other, yeah, other than white, other than Christian, other than American. We are suspicious of you. Our hate has diversified, which would be a good thing <laughs> it if it diversified wasn't for hate. and also simplified to just be not me and yeah. and um, war against poor people, war against uh, uh, not against poverty, just those living in poverty. There's a yes. There's a lot of that, and that is you know sadly in 15 years since this movie has come out, that has not gone away. This was this was very relevant at the time, and I remember watching this at the time and going. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, this is a lot of what's going on. This is the direction we're heading in. And 15 years later, uh, we made it. Uh, <laughs> a very prophetic movie. And I, I credit Alan Moore and the Wachowskis for, for yeah. bringing, and uh, the director uh, James McTeague um, for bringing that story in a very relevant way then and now. Yeah, I think ultimately this movie, it might not perfectly age well, but I think its message is going to be clear forever. Sure. Um, I would like to live in a time where this was not relevant to what's happening in the world and, yeah. and, and in the United States. I would like for people to watch this movie in 10 years and go, oh, remember when we were like that? Yeah. I'm so glad we've moved past that. Let's talk about the flashback that I think is the most powerful one, which is the the love story of the two women yeah. that's that's written on the note that Evie finds in her I, I fake jail cell. I thought that was really touching. I think it's a bold, bold move to have this super dark, uh, this super dark movie, this dystopian future, and then drop in this brightly colored, um, still dark, still tragic in in many ways um the the moment i saw it was brightly colored i was just waiting for you the know the rug's getting pulled out for sure i mean it's a note found in a prison how right. else is it gonna end <laughs> right but the idea that uh that we would backslide into a place where being gay is illegal again it's alluded to by gordon but here you see it play out yes um 
you see she's taking the bag of groceries as the police van drives away uh, where they grabbed up her girlfriend. Yeah, that was just such a sad shot. It's it's a tragic shot. It's one (laughs) of the great shots of this movie, actually. Um, And I don't mean great as in, boy, I feel awesome watching this. Like feel happy movie. Pixar. (laughs) This is not a feel happy movie. But, um, yeah, that, that I think in and of itself is a great story. It just, I mean, uh, pull that out of this movie and we see how she ends in the V flashback. Yeah. Where she ends up, um, she ends up in the mass grave. Oh, really? One of those bodies is her? They show her, um... The doctor, the the doctor that V poisons. Remember when he goes, I killed you 10 minutes ago. Yes. He's, uh, <laughs> Such a great line. It's almost like a Game of Thrones line. But um, when they're reading her journals of being at the camp, the yeah. prison, she's one of those people in line with her face. Her, she has all those sores on her face. I, I hadn't noticed. Yeah, that's her. Because they show her after she's arrested in her flashback sort of degrading to that point and that is that's definitely her so she ends up dying in the camps um but yeah the idea that she would be put in there and then you know you get into the other plot of of the virus development in there yeah um but yeah that in and of itself is is just a great story it's a tragic story but it's i think a very powerful one yeah and i think that story is sort of like very easily could happen. Um, I like to think not very easily, but um, yeah, you can see it. I mean, you we are seeing um, it, it happens in other countries less. So it in the it happens, you know, uh, not not by government shock troops, but there are hate groups. There are things like that where you know, um, I mean, we're living in a time where people are being lynched. Right now, yeah. you know, like this, this idea of being the other uh, and, and, and how uncomfortable it makes people. Um, and that way it's, it's very tragic that this is, this is there. Uh, that couple does show up at the end uh, Wh- to jump back to the end. Which uh, couple? The, the lesbian couple that was taken um, at the end when everybody takes their V masks off. Yeah. And all the, the dead people are there. The little girl with the glasses. Gordon is there. I didn't know. The, oh my God, that is... I, did you really not know? No. Oh I, my God, that's the most powerful thing. Stop. Is, is all the citizens take them off and they're watching the fireworks go up and Parliament explode. And it's all the the people of London being inspired. And then they gradually are showing... It, oh, citizen, citizen, citizen. There's Gordon. There's the little girl with glasses. There's the, There's her family. That we're not killed, but they're there. You know, the people I, we've been watching watch TV the whole time. They yeah. all show up. And then the people who were killed by the oppressive government, their spirit is a lot. You know, it's right when Evie tells the cop, you know, he's my father. He's my mother. He's, he's my brother. He's you. He's me. Like, this is what V... V is all of us. I, I had noticed that all the people we'd seen before were... Like taking off the masks, right. but I hadn't realized it's the dead ones the, too. The the lesbian couple in the flashback when they sh- show up, I, I it lumped my throat up a little bit. It was it was so that is the most beautiful shot of this movie, and I'm, it makes this movie so worth worth it on its own. I'm gonna have to go back and watch the movie again. That scene. This is one of those movies. I did give it three stars initially, and I do ha- I do still. I think there's some pacing problems with this movie. I think that's fair. Um, there's some really abrupt scene changes. You know, it's this, it's this, it's this, it's this. The first 10 minutes of this movie are just moving action to action to action. And I feel like nobody ever takes a breath or explains what's going on. Yeah. It's fine. We catch up. But just pace from a pace point of view. Yeah. Um, I, I think that works well when they're cutting between the fake prison cell and the flashbacks. Oh yeah! Uh, oh, that I, that, that works, works well. for sure. Yeah, but other places it's less. I feel like the cop story. Um, he's just sort of wedged in between whatever scenes they need to 
put in him investigating what's going on. I don't know. I feel like he's kind of the main character. Of this no, movie. no, he is. I think he's totally necessary. I just feel like they don't know how to transition to that story oh, from... Okay. It's just so abrupt when they cut to him and he's just in the middle of something. That that could be because this is an adaption. It, it might be. They have less time to give him a B story. We're going to find out. We're going to read this graphic novel. Okay. I'm, You'll I'm enjoy it, if nothing else, for the art. The The artwork of this is incredible. And every time I've seen it, it's on newsprint. So it's super old school, too. I like comics. Yeah. I like art. Oh, I, yeah. What I was originally saying is I do like this movie better than when I rated it three stars. This is one of those movies that I liked. It's like The Shining um, for me um, in that I liked it the first time I saw it. And every time I've seen it since then, I like it a little bit better. I like it a little bit better. And I think it is because of those things. Like, I feel like I probably notice something new every time I watch it. I think that's a sign of a good movie. I I think so, too. Uh, Just because it's so densely packed with with everything yeah. including themes to where you may be focused on this thing i think the first time i saw this i was just focused on how relevant it was to the bush nightmare we were in yeah. at the time <laughs> uh opinions are my own and are not yes. <laughs> like um but it just this idea of like oh my god how are we going to get out of this and this idea of like <laughs> Well, at least we'll never get that bad. And <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that did not 15 age well. years later. Uh, it's just... Um, but yeah, I think you can pick out a thread, a theme of this movie, and follow it. Three or four viewings, you know, a, a different theme, and, and get maybe a little deeper into the web. Than... I mean, with how much this movie is about symbols and symbolism, if there wasn't all those metaphors and stuff in it, it would be like, what's the point? It would be flat for sure. Yeah. Um, I want to get back to the Wachowskis here uh, a little bit. Um, this is when they were still the Wachowski brothers. Yeah. And again, I know they didn't, they didn't do press for their movies for a long time because they didn't want to talk about their transition. So I don't want to hammer it too much. Okay. But I do always wonder when, um, because there's a lot of talk about things in the Matrix, about certain characters that were androgynous, uh, sort of meant to symbolize gay or trans characters. And one of the sisters I know uh, came very close to suicide at one point uh, in their teenage years over identity issues. Oh, wow. Um, so it does s- strike me when they're writing about characters who are forced to live underground, live secretly. Yeah. Characters who are oppressed over their sexuality. Characters who, uh, I think, uh, Stephen Fry's character even says he's wearing a mask. Yes, and he says he wears a mask to the point that he's almost forgotten who he really is. Yeah, that sounds a or lot like... Or he's losing who he is. That sounds a lot like body dysmorphia. Sure, and, and it just, it always... It's, it's one of those things I want to separate art from artists. We do it as much as we can, but sometimes yeah. it plays into it and, and you can't help but think about like, oh, the, they hadn't transitioned yet. Maybe still coming to terms. Maybe they knew who they were. They just hadn't pulled the trigger on, um, yeah. you know, actually living their lives openly that way. But it just strikes me as uh, having a whole new respect for the material when I know this had to be difficult to write. For sure. Or, or to, to face themselves. In a, maybe it was very... Maybe it wasn't difficult. Maybe it was um, uh, therapeutic. Yeah. Uh, but either way, it adds a little extra dimension to that. I, I respect the Wachowskis. I don't love every movie they've made. But I, I respect them for being who they are and for bringing that element of themselves into as much of their work as they have. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I don't think I can look at a single character in this movie and be like, that's a trans metaphor. Uh, But I think a lot of it has to do with oppressed people. And I think the way they chose to show that is mostly through gay characters. I think it's even better that they're not heavy-handed 
transmetaphoring their way through that. I mean, yeah. it's like I, I read that thing about um, you and I did an episode of Brokebot Mountain about the Matrix. We did. And I found in researching that, I found a, a breakdown of the character of Switch and that Switch was supposed to represent a trans person. Yeah, even I, the name Switch. Even Come the name. Well, that, I mean, that was part of it. And originally, uh, I believe she was supposed to be a man within the Matrix and a woman. There was just problems with bringing that, translating that to the screen yeah. in, in, a, in a smooth way. But even so, in reading it, I was like, I don't know if this is intentional or not, but it certainly lines up. And I would rather have it be this character that represents a trans idea. The idea of, of a androgynous, uh, maybe, um, what do you call it when you're not a, one or the other? Non-binary. Okay. Non-binary. Yeah. Uh, 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 I'm sorry. I struggle with the verbiage sometimes. He's learning. I'm trying. Uh, th- but the idea that it's that as opposed to them going... You know, putting a big neon sign over someone with an arrow of saying "trans character," yeah, uh, uh, yeah or being heavy-handed with it. That's what I think the genius of the Wachowskis is: is well, that they are able to do this in a very tasteful, very subtle, and still get the message across. Well, I think they know uh, this is part of the problem with outright representation: is when you're transphobic and you see a trans character, you instantly want to hate them. Whereas if you show someone this character and you're like, look, they have this other identity. Right. Like you show them through metaphor, you explain what it is and you can get your idea across a lot better. It's the idea of the idea versus the thing. The the person. It's it's this movie. (laughs) This movie. I mean, this is how the Wachowskis operate. Full circle. Um, Full circle. We did it. We're out. Uh. I don't want to take away from uh, James McTeague. Uh, I'm not familiar with a lot of his work, but I did see he worked on a bunch of episodes of Sense8, which was created by the Wachowskis. So I've seen that. I've seen a couple episodes. I keep wanting to go back to it because I believe there's an ending to it now, right? Yeah, they finished okay, it. I, I never I, watched the end. I wanted to make sure there was going to be an ending before I jumped into it. Okay. Um but I, I, it is one of those things I keep meaning to. And that, that I know that deals with identity. That deals with uh, who we are versus the skin we wear. Yeah. Uh, those kind of, of things. And Since, the, the, the couple episodes of it I saw, I thought were very interesting. And that does have an outright trans character. Yes, it does. Um, uh, and, and some outright LGBT uh, uh, representation and yeah. issues brought up. They've got a good mix. But, yes, no, uh, I, I dig the Wachowskis. Speed Racer. Uh, David and I did that on Brokebot Mountain. Really? Crazy fun movie. It's so <laughs> weird. Uh, but that's it kind of all works, and it's huh. um, it's really cool. But, yeah, uh, uh, like I said, John McTeague, or uh, James McTeague, I'm sorry, uh, did a bunch of episodes of Sense8. Sense he did this movie, The Raven. He did a movie called Survivor. Uh Bunch of TV, some smaller, smaller movies. Working director, you know, that kind of guy who just, maybe not a ton of stuff you recognize, but the guy works. Yeah. And pacing issues aside, I think this movie looks really good. Yeah, I I especially love all the montages they do. Or like uh, when they're talking about, I've seen the past of this revolution, I've seen the future. Oh, and they cut back and forth. Yeah. Uh, the and dominoes. It shows the yeah. ending. <laughs> like, yeah. It's good. It is good. It's shot really well. Uh, there's some great cinematography in this movie. Yeah. Uh, this movie's super dark, but you can still see what's going on. Something I think DC forgot how to do later on. Yeah, like it's well lit, but they show you the implication of like... The, where the shadows are the shadows are there but so is the light yeah whereas i i feel like if you watch uh, a Zack snyder dc movie now i'm sorry guys if you talk to me for five minutes you're gonna know i don't like Zack snyder's work um, it's okay but uh if if you watch a Zack snyder dc movie it's all shadow it looks like he doesn't pay the bills it's for drained the, the color out of everything you go down into v's lair into his apartment it's lit up. It's beautiful. It's yeah. an art gallery. You know, it's really, uh, it, it's great. Really, um, he lives in paradise. He's the one He really percent. does. <laughs> he is living better than almost anyone in this movie. Um, but that's it, I think. You got anything? You got anything else? I, I don't think so. 
Overall, right. great movie. I think it's a great movie. Um, yeah, I, I'm raising it a star. I, you know, still, like I said, some technical uh, drawbacks, but uh, great movie gets more relevant all the time, sadly. Yeah. Um, but hopefully, the revolution aspect of it does too, and in the, and that's not just like let's violently overthrow the government. Let's open our eyes. Let's, let's take power back and let's accept the differences that we have because that's sort of what. Well, that's meant. That's the friends we made along the way. I don't. Yes. I don't. I don't want to turn this into Jerry Springer's final thought. But um, yeah, watch V for Vendetta. It's on Netflix right now. Catch it while it's there. If it's yeah. not, it'll be there again probably in a year. I'm I'm gonna one up you and say this was a four and a half star movie. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, uh, you got anything you want to recommend? Anything else you've been watching? Anything you've been reading? Uh, anything uh, like that. Not really. Read Hawkeye. The Hawkeye comics. They're so uh, good. Matt Fraction? David yeah. Aja? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, from a few years ago, uh, series lasted maybe 20 issues. It's great. It's really good. Art alone, worth checking out. Beautiful. Pizza dog. Love it. <laughs> I've been watching mostly Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, we are going to do an episode on that. Once I, I get to the wait. end, it's going to be awesome. Um and you can find me at philrude.com. Oh, I also, I have a a short book that I just put out. It is just a short kind of essay about a day in the life of a cat. I illustrated it. It is available as a PDF at tinyurl slash one day nine lives. That's the number one day, the number nine lives. Uh, I'll put a link in the in the show notes for that i'm biased here but it's really good it's pretty fun it's uh it's based on a cat that lives in our house austin you got anything you want to promote uh my tiktok and instagram are austin.n.rude check them out uh tiktok not my preferred social media but austin does some great painting videos on there he's been doing a lot of painting this year and He's putting some of his process on there. Super worth checking out. That's true. This has been The Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude. We will talk to you next time. See ya. (laughs) 